0: This podcast sponsored by Cherry Hill Volvo. A
1: Cherry Hill Volvo and XC40 can be leased for as low as $459. And an XC90 leased for as low as $629. The Cherry Hill Volvo offers are very aggressive. Spring into Cherry Hill Volvo for incredibly fabulous offers.
2: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test, intelligence data, fixed median download speeds, USQ3 2023. WPHD WPHD HD, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Revolution will be brought yes.
3: to this
2: is the next generation of talk now this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non-stop talk with rich Zoli.
4: Can we win back Pennsylvania? It is crucial to 2024. Can we win it? Can we do it? It has to be. It has to happen. If we're going to put a Republican back in the White House, it must occur. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I'm very, very happy to welcome to the show Cliff Maloney, Jr. Cliff is a uh, very interesting guy with an incredible background. He's known as the door-knocking guru and political commentator. And um, he's knocked on over six million doors. Uh, Cliff, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me in Philadelphia. I appreciate it.
0: Rich, glad to be here. Thanks for having me
4: yeah no absolutely so citizens alliance and uh the pennsylvania chase effort that you guys are doing right now the goal in pennsylvania is to knock on five hundred thousand doors to chase republican ballots within key target districts so so first of all let's understand the the concept of, of door knocking and why it matters all right so um what's the difference between actually knocking on somebody's door versus making a phone call or sending them a piece of mail
0: Right, so I mean after the 2020, you know, election and all these laws changed in PA, you know, you've got 50 days now uh, of potential mail-in ballots going in. Out. So so 50 days out, they send them out if you you know asked to get a mail-in ballot. That's what you got to do and unfortunately, Republicans, you know, we have pushed everybody to vote on one day, which is election day, and I understand the fears there, right? You know, you want your vote to count. But what's happening is Democrats right now are spending 49 days, you know, attempting to get folks to vote and they're running up the score. So the reason that, that 500,000 doors is what we're aiming to do is because we are trying to beat them, at least become competitive with them at this mail-in game. You look at the numbers, 20 percent is what Republicans typically average when you look at the mail-in ballots alone, 20 to 80 And so why the doors are so important, Rich, is we are trying to chase those ballots for 50 days in Pennsylvania. And if we can get it from 20 percent just to 33, right, I'm not saying we have to beat them at the actual number, but just getting it from 20 percent Republican mail-in ballots to 33 percent, Pennsylvania becomes very, very competitive.
4: I agree with you. But first of all, let's understand a couple of things. And this is a couple of questions I have, Cliff. Why do we have to work so hard? Again, I'm just, these are just kind of questions. I don't, I'm not trying to set an agenda here, but why do we have to work so hard to convince Republicans to, to do this in the first place? What is the reluctance of Republican voters to vote by mail, to get them to turn those ballots in, to not just rely on them showing up on election day?
0: Well, I think for, a lot of years, you know people worry about election integrity, right? There's a lot of fear about will your vote be counted? And I think that the at least the the understood or the the agreed upon thing amongst most conservatives is if you vote on election day, you're more likely that your vote will count but my my counter argument to that is, look, we've got to compete with them under the current rules. And my other counter argument to that is if you really think that they're going to change your vote, why wouldn't they change your vote on election day too? So, you know, I, I used to be that guy that was all in on election day. You know, I'm from Delaware County. You know, I'm, I'm, we, we went full blue, right? And it's like, you know, all right, I'm voting on election day to make sure it counts. I'm not thinking that anymore, right? You've got to be out there beating them at their own game. And I think it was so easy for the national party and really just the the establishment to to kind of avoid this. And, Rich, I'll tell you, when you're knocking these doors, it stinks, right? It's hard work. It's grueling. But the left pushes through this, and that's why we're doing this, man. It's time for the right to finally say, look, we have to match them at their tactics, and we got to beat them at their own game.
4: Yeah, I like the fact that you're a Delco guy, by the way. That's part of the reason why I like you, Cliff Maloney. I really do. And it's important because uh, we've seen with our own eyes how important these collar counties are. And we know that that's exactly what's going to happen. So Cliff Maloney is the founder of the Pennsylvania Chase project right now. And it's great to have him with me right now here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Pennsylvania Chase, an effort run by citizens of... Citizens Alliance, a simple but difficult task, knock on 500,000 doors to chase Republican ballots within key target districts. Listen, I'm with you. I mean, even on this past Election Day, I voted in person and I got there at 755, I think, and the polls closed at eight. Um, There was traffic on the way home. And that's just the thing. I mean, Democrats are masterful at getting people to the polls when there's so many options now between drop boxes, early in-person voting and of course vote by mail. And I just don't want to ever give them an upper hand. Would we all love to go back to paper ballots? Would we all like to pull a, you know, Javier Milei and go back to paper ballots in person day off? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Would I also love to be able to eat pizza every day and not get fat? You bet. But I have to live in the real world, not the world I want to live in. <laughs>
0: I'll meet you, Lorenzo's. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the, <laughs> the, the unfortunate the unfortunate situation is if you don't play by their rules, we're never going to go back to paper ballots. I'm with you. Of course, we want to get to a point where we've got, you know, absolutely just Election Day, all paper ballots, all hand count, yada, yada, yada. But the, the pathway to do that. If you said to me, "What's a real plan to do that in Pennsylvania?" The plan is not, "Hey, we're going to go in and we're going to monitor the polls in Philadelphia and Allegheny County." No, the plan is, if you want a real plan, because I've asked this to everybody who says, "Oh, it's all you know, you can't, you can't." They're going to. The real plan is, you take back the state house, you force the state house and the state senate to pass the election reforms that get us to where we need to be. And you pressure the hell out of the governor. Now, I'm not saying that's a plan that's going to happen, but that's the only real plan there is. And the way you can do that is you don't have to be in these blue counties. Go out in the central PA. and There are a lot of districts that we can flip, and that's what we're aiming to do. The chase is not just about Trump and McCormick. The chase is about going out there to make PA competitive, but also focusing on target districts in the general election that we can flip. You take back the House, we've got the Senate, we're going to hold that. And then all of a sudden, this is the hard part, Republicans have to have a spine. And being from Delco and a lot of weak Republicans, so I'll be the one to say this, they would have to step up and actually leave. They didn't during the 2020 election. We all know that. They were involved with a lot of these reforms. They fell. They caved. So that's going to be the path. Take the House. Take the Senate. You've got to have courage, and you got to force Shapiro, but you got to play the mail-in ballot game now if you're ever going to get back to where we want to be.
4: Yeah, Cliff, you're exactly right. And, and how can we help? That's the question, right? As we're listening to everything you're saying, we agree.
0: How can we help you? Pachase.com. Pachase.com. You can go there. There's a little bit more about what we're doing. We need folks to step up and sponsor a Liberty Ballot Chaser. We need these folks. We've got tons of individuals we're trying to bring in for those final 50 days. And the last place I want to be is where we've got people ready to go. They want to participate, and we don't have the funds to do it. So I hate the fundraising part. It's the worst part of this. But we're looking to raise about $2 million to pull this off. I don't care if somebody's shipping in 5 or 10 bucks. Phace.com. We need as many people as we can. This is actually, I think Pennsylvania is going to be what determines the White House. And I mean, we got a lot of work to do, but it's simple and it ain't easy. But uh, I think we're going to pull it off. 500,000 doors getting us from 20% to 33%. By the way, I'm breaking the biggest rule. You're never supposed to give your numbers and be specific, especially in the political strategy world, right? Because then what happens if we don't hit it? I'll be embarrassed. I'd rather be bold and tell the people the truth. We must get to 33 percent when it comes to mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania to be competitive, to take back the U.S. Senate, to win the White House, and obviously take back, like I said, the P.A. State House. Remember that number and hold me accountable to that. 33 percent. Go to PHAs.com.
4: Cliff, I'd love for you to come back on the show a lot uh, this year, and I also think people are listening and saying, okay, we'll help you financially, but you need door knockers. I mean, if you're going to knock on 500,000 doors in Pennsylvania, Cliff Maloney, which I know you can do because you've knocked on 2 million of them, and and how old are you exactly? I am thirty-two. Thirty-two years old, and you have knocked on 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 doors and helped people like Senator Rand Paul, Tom Massey. You you've done a lot right right here in Pennsylvania. I mean, you're 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 you 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 can do this, and and I know you can, and I know you will. Um, you were a math teacher, you, you became a grassroots organizer. So you're a numbers guy. So you're looking at the numbers, but if you're going to knock on 500,000 doors, I imagine you need people to help you with that effort as well. So can people physically give themselves to you, to, you some bad way of putting it, but can they
0: physically, you know, help you knock on doors, Cliff Maloney? Absolutely. So, you know, right now we're trying to get all the funds together, but at the same time, we are recruiting individuals. You know, and look, there's going to be a volunteer component to this as well. Yes, we're paying. And by the way, people, people ask me, oh, you know, are you very loud about paying? Yes, the left paid 250 people full time to chase ballots just in PA in 2023 for an off year election, right? So how many people do you think they're going to pay in 2024 when we've got so much on the line? So yes, we are paying these folks. These are young activists. They're ideologically aligned Republicans who want to actually win. But I'm going to need all hands on deck. And one of the cool things we're going to be revealing here in February is we're going to have an app that's going to be open to pretty much any volunteer across the state. And we're going to launch that in February. We've got a bill. We're actually partnering with Turning Point. Uh, it's an app that Charlie Kirk and his team has built with some feedback from a lot of great folks. And so, I'm, Rich, I'll come back on every, every day of the week to encourage folks to download that app once we launch it in February. We're going to need all hands on deck to get to those ballots, chase them in, and get to that 33% for Republicans.
4: Well, here's my commitment to you, Cliff. As soon as the app launches in February, you come on the show either that day or the next day uh, so we can talk about it and uh, get get some awareness. I think what you're doing is outstanding. I'm proud of you. I want to help. I want to do my part. We want to do our part. We, we I agree with you. Absolutely. The road to the White House goes through Pennsylvania. It has to we have to win this. It's not even a question. I believe whoever wins Pennsylvania will be the next president of the United States of America. No question about it. So P.A. Chase. P.A. Chase is is the website. Please go there today right now and help out. And uh, Cliff Maloney Jr., thank you for all you're doing, buddy. We'll have you back on as soon as the app launches in February. That's my commitment to you.
0: Appreciate you guys being patriots. We'll talk soon. All right. Chris. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour.
2: On the Rich Scioli Show, brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, a premier full-service resorting conference center. GrandHotelCapeMay dot
4: com. All right, some other things, and look, and the reason why this is so important, and I, I can't stress this enough to you, and I, I do think Donald Trump is going to be the Republican nominee, and I, I think he can win. I, I do think he can win. There's no question about it. I absolutely believe Trump is going to be the next president of the United States of America because I think he's going to be the nominee, and so I think he's going to win but it's important to understand something and, 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 and what they're doing right now For example, you know, Nikki Haley in Iowa, New Hampshire, this effort by the establishment to stop Trump is not going to go away. It's not going to stop. I I promise you that it will not. And what my hope is, because I really do, I mean this sincerely from the bottom of my heart, DeSantis, great guy, not Matt DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, great guy. Ron, Matt DeSantis, all kinds of issues with him, but that's, but- Governor DeSantis is a great guy. And this is his moment, I think, to get on board what is inevitable, what is obvious and do this. National Review, of all places, wrote a piece. There is no distance left for Ron DeSantis. Now, I understand there are going to be forces at National Review who are going to want Nikki Haley. And that's that's unfortunate because National Review, as you remember, was the was the publication that in 2016 came out with their never Trump issue. Now, since that time, a lot of those conservatives have become huge fans of Trump. And, you know, that that was then. This is now. But the the question of where do you go? You know, in this piece that was written in National Review by Jeffrey Blar, who Jeffrey Blar was a, a Sanders supporter. You know, he said DeSantis had my vote and never seriously threatened to lose it. I didn't even mind when he said or did cringeworthy things on the campaign trail. His answers on Social Security in particular were gag worthy to any honest man. Certainly not when the other primary options um, are Nikki Haley. No, thanks ever and Donald Trump. Having laid my cards out on the table like this, however, it's time to turn the tarot card over and give the DeSantis campaign its reading the death card. There is no other way to put it. It's over for the DeSantis presidential campaign after going all in on Iowa and getting thumped by 30 points. This is a DeSantis supporter writing this and a guy who says, never Nikki Haley. No, thanks. Never. So understand this point. This is why I'd like to give you different perspectives of things because when I, I I get often accused of, you know, you you know, Trump and you guys. And so what whatever you say, we got to take it with a grain of salt. You don't because I've always called balls and strikes with this stuff. And I always have and I always will. But here's a DeSantis supporter who's writing this for National Review and also a guy who says, unlike maybe other people at National Review, no thanks never to Nikki Haley. All right. He said... <clears throat> There's no other way to put it yesterday after narrowly edging out Haley for a distant second place DeSantis put on a brave face in his concession speech and said that in spite of all that they threw at us, everyone against us, we've got our ticket punched out of Iowa. I guess you can't go out and deliver a speech saying, you know, we staked it all in winning and we lost it all hard. So I won't hold it against the campaign for remaining quiet for a decent interval of mourning. But given the catastrophic failure of its primary strategy and well-known money problems, it's hard to see that a campaign makes it to New Hampshire, much less South Carolina or beyond, unless as a purely rhetorical exercise. There is another article to be written about how Haley's own chances against Donald Trump are entirely illusionary. It is impossible not to see her hitting a wall in South Carolina for the exact inverse of the reasons why she potentially challenges Trump in New Hampshire. But but by the arcane internal logic of campaigns, her ticket out of Iowa is punched in a much clearer way with a roughly equivalent performance to DeSantis in a state she had invested little time or money prior to a few weeks ago. In other words, translation is this. Um, she's going to win New Hampshire... A big reason why is because the Democrats are helping her, the establishment's helping her, but then it ends after that, and it's over. But I disagree with him. She will not get out of the race. She will stay until the convention because the establishment is going to say... Something could happen to Trump, something regarding the courts, something regarding a ban of him being on the ballot, something. And we need you in there up until the convention. And as long as the establishment's writing the checks, it doesn't matter. I told you, if the checks cash, everybody's good. If the consultants are getting paid, they will tell their boss to stay in the race. It's how this works, how it works. So now here's the question for Ron DeSantis, and this is as a DeSantis supporter writes it for National Review. There's nothing more to add, despite how glum the failure of the DeSantis campaign and this entire farce of a primary season makes me because I deliver coroner's reports better than I do eulogies. When presidential candidates deliver concession speeches, and remember almost all seekers of a presidential nomination are necessarily losing ones, They typically refer to there no longer being a path forward. It's a graceful way to bow to the inevitable loss. There is no plausible path forward remaining for Ron DeSantis, who I'm convinced would have made the best Republican president of the United States during the 2024 cycle. There is no distance left to run. He's exactly right. And this is where I add to that point by saying that I think DeSantis is incredibly talented. I think he's learned a lot in this cycle. I think he has a lot to offer. I think he's got to work on his personality. I think he's got to lose the boots. I think there's a couple of things he needs to change, but all that stuff can be fixed. Personality can't be fixed, but in terms of your appeal to people and when you're speaking and debating, I, I, that stuff can. The guy that he hired to be his debate coach is a loser, in my opinion. It was not me, obviously, but it was, the guy's a loser. I know who he is, and I, I think he's a joke. And every candidate that he's ever worked with is lost. Trump did not use him. <laughs> obviously and Trump won but the establishment keeps using this guy and I don't quite get it because he's not good but he was a I guess a college winning debate coach and then he turned to politicians and anyway I'm out of that game right now I'm doing this I love doing this and I have you know Trump does not need a debate coach at this point he, he needed one back then he doesn't need one now DeSantis does in the future no question about it then should not be this loser but the point is this If he wants to ever be the Republican nominee, he has to get out now because if he goes to New Hampshire and loses to Nikki Haley, that is what is going to be the conversation. Forget about Trump. I mean, for a second now, leave Trump supporters out of this because I know there's a lot of Trump supporters who are hearing what I'm saying right now and saying, you know what? Maybe he can win me back. If he gets out and backs Trump now and helps defeat Nikki Haley, maybe he can win me back. All right. Let's leave that aside for a moment. When you start to run for president in 2026, because that's when the next presidential cycle is going to begin. I know it's hard to believe, but we are we, we are dealing with either one of these two men being term limited, whether it's Joe Biden or Donald Trump, it's they're term limited. So the 2026 cycle is going to begin again, even if Trump decides he's not leaving the White House, like the left tells us, or even if he decides he's ignoring the 22nd Amendment, like the left tells us, both of either one of these two will be ineligible for a second term. And one of them will be leaving the White House, whoever is the president. My hope is that it's Trump and not Biden. Obviously, they will be leaving the White House in January of twenty twenty nine. So the question is, if you want to be the nominee in twenty twenty eight, when you start going to Iowa and New Hampshire in twenty twenty six, can you believe that two years from now we're going to be talking about Iowa and New Hampshire all over again? But we will uh, not for the election, not for the caucus or the primary, but just the fact they're going to be going there. They're going to be going there in two years, going there to campaign and go to the diners and do all those things. If you get crushed by Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, that's all everybody's going to talk about. That's it. That's what they're going to talk about. Forget forget Trump supporters who have a bad memory of the fact that you went against the you know, their guy. What everybody will bring up is the fact that you came in third place in New Hampshire and you got crushed by Nikki Haley. And that is no way to launch a presidential campaign. That is no way to launch a comeback. That is no way to convince the first in the nation primary state that this time around you can do it. As opposed to you get out now, you back Trump, you win the hearts and minds of Trump supporters again who all like you. I mean, DeSantis, that's the thing. They will come back. You know what I mean? If, if DeSantis brings his people to Trump and they defeat Nikki Haley, then Trump voters will come back to Ron DeSantis and all the negativity that's on social media and everything else will go away. It'll all go away because he will play a pivotal role in helping to defeat Nikki Haley. But if he doesn't do that, he's going to get trounced in New Hampshire. And it doesn't matter if he goes to South Carolina and beats her in South Carolina. He's still going to lose to Trump in South Carolina. So what do you gain here? Nothing. You gain nothing. All you do is, 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 is ruin your reputation, ruin your potential future prospects for 2028, and you just further tick off Trump supporters. So what is the point of this? Get out now. Get out ahead of New Hampshire don't wait to get trounced in new hampshire but right now the polling and i don't know if they've updated the real clear politics average with new polls that have come out since iowa but the latest polls that that are there which were done probably during iowa at least show him getting absolutely trounced in new hampshire there is no pathway here so get out get out and save your political future because before you know it we're gonna be talking about 2028 before you know it we are going to be talking about 2028 the latest new hampshire republican presidential primary boston globe suffolk poll has trump at 50 haley at 34 and desantis at five along with christy and ramaswamy who are not even in the race now do you think what's the story you tell in 2026 when you go back to new hampshire the story you tell in 2026 if you get single digits in the new hampshire primary the story you tell is nothing you don't have a story to tell because you will be remembered as the guy who got so trounced in new hampshire that he didn't even break potentially double digits i mean that's how bad it's looking for him right now in new hampshire that's how bad it's looking now look there's another poll comes out for New Hampshire, which shows him a little bit better at like 7%. But do you really want to go in there and risk all that knowing that you are a young guy with a beautiful wife and beautiful kids and you've got your whole life ahead of you and you can, you know, you know, Trump's going to be the nominee. You know, he is so just do what you have to do now for your own political future don't go don't do a suicide mission here a kamikaze mission because you have idiot consultants around you who are afraid of losing their paycheck and you know that's what i really fear is happening here i really do having been in that in that world i know how these these consultants think and i'm telling you i think what the problem is Very often is they sit around with the with the the primary, as the person's called, you know, the candidate, and they convince that person there's a pathway and you can show all kinds of different things to make anybody believe anything. And they tell that person there's a pathway because they're afraid of losing their paycheck, because what are they going to do? A lot of these people, it's too late for them to join Trump's team. They might then go run a governor's race somewhere or U.S. Senate race, but we're getting very late on that stuff, too. I mean, it's 2024. It's January of 2024. A lot of the good candidates already, they they, they beefed up their teams already. So now you're going to go run a congressional race. You're going to go from running a presidential campaign or being in the inner echelons of that to running a congressional campaign in, you know, Arizona or something like that. And that's, that's fine. That's all well and good. And you should go do that. But that's the problem is that these consultants sit around with the candidate and they say, stay in. You can do this. Here's, here's what happens. Here's the scenario. And most of it's driven by their own personal anxiety about having to find another job. And some of these people are the absolute worst. I'm telling you right now, some of the worst people I've ever dealt with in my life are political consultants, professional political political operatives. They are the worst. These are, these are people who... Every single candidate that they wind up going with, it's a gravy train for them. It's not out of some sort of philosophical principle. Most of the time, it is about making money. It's about, well, look, everybody's got to make money. And I don't begrudge anybody for that. I don't. But what I begrudge people is when they tell the candidate there's a way to win when they know and, and everybody knows there is no way to win. And you see these people. Because they circle people. It's like the very same people. And this guy who is the debate coach for Ron DeSantis was the debate coach for Michelle Bachman in 2012. Who convinced her that she had a chance to become president of the United States of America. And her strong showing in Iowa that she should stay in the race and keep going. These people are bottom feeders. They're bottom feeders. And what needs to happen is that the people that are close to DeSantis, who care about his political future, need to tell him, get out of this race before Tuesday. Because if you go down on Tuesday, if you go down on Tuesday in this in the spectacular fashion, then it's looking like you're going to go down. And, and maybe it's because, yes, Democrats are helping Nikki Haley. And yes, maybe it's because uh, of all these externalities, whatever. All people are going to remember is you're the guy that came in single digits in New Hampshire. And you don't want that to be how people remember you. Bottom line. That is the big story of the day today. Brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. Go see him for the absolute best smile. You deserve a beautiful smile. And I'd love for you to have that wonderful, beautiful smile. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt. What was the text you just sent me?
1: Oh, just that um, obviously Ramaswamy and Chris Christie have dropped out, but Ron was actually projected to lose to both of them in New Hampshire. And the most recent poll, which is from Boston Globe, it was conducted yesterday, has yeah. run at
4: 5%. And Vivek's people go to Trump, Christie's people go to Haley, he doesn't break 10% potentially.
1: No, I mean, even with those two gone, he's still only polling at 5%. He actually, uh, he hasn't moved at all. So, so that poll was done with them out of the race? Yes. Yeah, that's from yesterday. Oof. There, I, there's no point in him staying in. In fact, if he stays in, I think it, it probably hurts Trump because his supporters, as, as you've said before, likely go towards Trump and not to Haley. So if he gets out of the race, Trump wins. I, he kind of looks like a hero. Right, he looks like the guy He He's the,
4: the Doug Burgum of New Hampshire He can say he delivered for Trump the way <laughs> Doug Burgum did in Iowa
1: <laughs> With more credibility, I think <laughs> But actually mean it
4: Yeah. Actually help Yeah.
1: I was going to say that 5% actually could make a difference because there are some other polls that I don't know how reputable they are do suggest that Nikki is pretty close to even with Trump, but that 5% again, we assume that his supporters will go towards Trump. Uh, that could make the difference in the race. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And then
4: at that point, then he gets to be on the stage with Trump in New Hampshire and take credit for Trump winning, and 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 give the nomination, the nominating speech at the Republican National Convention. Oh, for sure. Right, and that's and that I think for him is the pathway here. You you drop out before Tuesday, you back Trump, you're on the stage with him Tuesday night when he beats Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, and then you give the nominating speech at the Republican National Convention, setting the stage for you to be the front runner in 2028. Now that's a billion years away politically, but for right now, that's a good way to play. That is a good way to play this game. The other way is a way that you will be remembered as the guy who got slaughtered. In the first of the nation primary state in single digits and did nothing to help Trump, who wins regardless in that scenario. And then you bring nothing to the table going forward because this is the crucial test and you have nothing to offer after this. Oof. Sorry, you want to say? Uh, I was
1: just going to say, and you kind of uh, win back the, the Trump crowd, because they've soured on Ron DeSantis. I see the tweets all the time. Uh, he's not popular amongst the, the Trump crew, but if he were to drop out and assist Trump and once and for all eliminate all competition, because if Haley loses New Hampshire, it's over. There's no doubt about it. Um, that's basically the only state she has any chance of, of winning and um, capturing momentum with. He, does, he looks like a hero
4: yeah it's all there it's all there for him this is very very simple i hope somebody in his orbit is listening to the show because this is very valuable political advice that i'm giving for free and i don't like doing that i think we have a guest coming up right (laughs) yeah we do and i'm way late all right so we'll come right back eight five five eight three nine twelve ten uh on twitter at rich zioli
0: and uh coming right back
6: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app.
4: All right. The question, of course, is how do we crush the administrative state? Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, Paul Dans joins me right now. He is the director of the 2025 Presidential Transition Project at the Heritage Foundation. He served in the Trump administration as chief of staff at the U.S. Office of Personnel Management. Hey, Paul, thanks for joining me here in Philadelphia. I appreciate it.
3: Hey, Rich. It's My pleasure.
4: I'm so excited about this idea of 2025 and this project that you guys have put together and and the potential right now to really crush the administrative state, the deep state, the federal Leviathan, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I also love the fact that the media keeps saying it's going to mean an imperial presidency, when if you've actually read it, you understand it's the exact opposite of that. But um, let's start there. Let's start with what the goal here really is.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean, so much of what the left does is projection of who they actually are. They, you know, they're always saying um, we're doing something, which is precisely what they're that they're at work doing. Um, Project 2025 is nothing short of of really planning to retake our government, to bring it back to a government of the people, by the people and for the people. It's conservatives standing up and getting organized to take power day one and support the next conservative president to, to ro- really roll out of uh, the agenda that the American people vote for in November. And it's, you know, it's critical that we as conservatives realize that the federal government was never supposed to be this way. But over the last 100 years, with the progressive era and all these, you know, New Deal um, Reforms. Well, they're not. They weren't really reforms. There were critical changes in the architecture of the government. But uh, we now have a permanent government in DC, uh, and and that's the problem. There is a class of folks here who are no longer accountable to to the electorate. Um, they have complete job security, and they really feel that they're intended, that their role is to divine policy and and set it forth. So it's it's cutting out the voter. And what we're doing with Project twenty twenty five is asking you, the listener, the people who have always Thought that there was a problem with Washington, we're now telling you you're going to be the solution. You have to think about coming to Washington and serving, and we want to tell you how this is going to work and and give you the training, and then you're going to be the one making the change.
4: Yeah, you know it's great. Uh, a lot of the the uh, issue with the bureaucrats is they know they can outlast the conservative president or the conservative uh, cabinet secretary or administrator, so they laugh. You know when the uh, administrator of the EPA walks in and says we're going to make this. Uh, organization more friendly we're gonna make the EPA business friendly and scale-back regulations the bureaucrats laugh because they've been there longer and they'll be there longer. They are unaccountable. They're unelected. And they they really do run the show. And that is why we are in the situation that we're in today. I'm glad you brought up FDR, because I think people forget that sometimes, that he really is the impetus of this, uh, this idea that the executive would have so much power over so many different areas of government. And there's been other things around, too, you know, laws regarding civil service, Chevron, for example, which is before the Supreme Court today. But... When you think about people that work for the president of the United States of America, they're in the executive branch of the government and Article two vests all of that power into one person, the president, all the other powers flow through the presidency. They don't work for the United I mean, they technically are paid by the United States, but they work for the president. Yet they have the ability in the executive branch of government to undermine the agenda of the president of the United States, who technically is their boss. And that, that that's baffling to people. And, and when you say that to people, they, they can't even understand how that's possible.
3: Correct. The um, you know. If they don't report to the president, they don't report to anyone. They and that's essentially what we have now. Um, and as you say, the, the Constitution and we have to credit Philadelphia and South Jersey. That is one of the birthplaces of freedom in America. Your your um, forebearers two hundred years ago set down a brilliant design for government and it was vested in one person the president they didn't make a council of people Mm -hmm. they didn't make inferior offices but it was very clear that the power was going to be you know Invest in the person, but the corollary would be that that person would be accountable to the people, and we'd have elections for that very purpose. So, the, what we have now in Washington, you know, civil servants over time may have come in with an ethos of of serving sure. in the public and being um, non political arbiters, but that was thrown out the window when Obama came in, and over time, um, you look at the electorate here in the in D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and it in this this uh kind of metropolitan area of D.C., you look at voting tracks on the order of ninety, ninety-five percent Democrat Party, and you know the the actual contributions of many of the federal civil servants also track that, where the, where their political contributions are ninety percent of the Democrat Party. So when a president walks into office, it's it's basically, um, you know, he and one day it will be a she, I imagine, but. Um, he is is looking at a federal government of two point two million workers, and typically the president 's appointed three or four thousand people so that 's one person for every five hundred who are who are career bureaucrats and that 's an amazing metric to kind of overcome so when you, when you 're already trying to manage a group of people that you can 't hire. You you didn't hire, you can't really fire, and they are many times politically opposite of yours. It's a it's a massive challenge, and we have to we have to know the tricks of the trade and have have a game plan. But um, you know, it's going to require people on our side coming in and volunteering, and that's what we're doing, at Project Twenty Twenty Five. I hope the listener out there is saying, you know, I've always wanted to do this, or I know somebody, my daughter. Um, you know, my my coworker, these are people who who need to go to Washington, and they should go to Project Twenty Twenty Five dot org, and sign up and take our classes and learn what we're what we're about.
4: I love that idea, I really do, Paul. And the the other part of this too, and you, and you touched on this, and I think it, it's really important to. Um, think about for a moment when you have the president accountable to the people which is true he's also accountable to congress uh vis-a-vis the impeachment clause so if you have a a situation where the president's a lame duck or something i mean you, you know and abuses his power the congress is there to be able to deal with that but when you're dealing with people who can't be fired when you're dealing with somebody who has civil service protection or something like that And there's no consequences to the actions that their agency takes or they decide to take uh, action. It very much reminds me of Barack Obama saying very famously, I have a pen and I have a phone and then dispatching all of the bureaucrats within his administration to go go forth and promulgate regulations go forward and and make laws vis-a-vis rules that has to stop that i mean that needs to end and obviously if the supreme court overturns or or rewrites chevron that'll go a long way towards that but this idea that if well if we can't get a law through congress we can we can promulgate a rule which is basically a law i mean if congress doesn't like it they have to vote they have to pass a law to overturn it and a lot of these rules have uh, they come with fines. They come with jail time. The case right now regarding whether or not these herring boat fishermen have to pay, you know, 750 bucks a day to have a monitor on board is an example of that. But uh, it's, it's the EPA going after methane. It's, it's whatever the administrative state wants. And they figured it out. We can we can bypass Congress. We can get around them with our pen, with our phone. And that is what we are dealing with right now
3: correct and you know it's hard to to really trace out the blame for this and it's it's shared by both you know republican um presidents who who basically allowed this to fester but also congress for unduly delegating their job to the administrative state you know they need to really do a lot more work on the legislative front and you know they're they're turning in three-day weeks and and you know it's just not the work ethic and the whole organization of it but you know the the point with the unaccountability, it was never intended to be that way. When the federal service, the civil service was stood up, um, it came in reaction to, uh, you know, the the boss tweet and the scandals, uh, the teapot dome and the like, and um, the spoil system. So the liberals always point to that and, and say, oh, this is the reason why we have this professionalized civil service. But, only 10% of the jobs were supposed to be consecrated to those career protections. Over time, it's now 99.8% of the jobs. So, um, you know, the folks... Uh, here in Washington, they they rate themselves as um, 99.5% fully successful or better on their performance. There's no way to really judge these people that are not performing. And you look at just like an Elon Musk with Twitter – he went in and fired about 80% of that organization, and Twitter is humming along. You know, in any enterprise, you're going to find a lot of dead weight, and, and you need to do periodic clearing and cleaning out. But in the federal government, there's there really has never been that. It just completely it always is increasing almost exponentially in size there has been trimming over time you know um with with Reagan and, and we have fewer civil servants than we did but at the same point the the scope of the work they have is so all encompassing in our everyday life and you know i really do hope that with the with the uh the chevron case today that this is the beginning of a real un- dismantling of this administrative state. And it's you know, it's really important that people understand that when we talk about the administrative state, this is where the power has been taken from you. You are the ones who gave your power to the federal government. It's a government of, can, by consent of the people, and it's yours to take it back
4: so well said project 2025.org building now for a conservative victory through policy personnel and training paul i thank you and your team over there at the heritage foundation i am I, between this and hopefully chevron we can really take back our country from this administrative state and it would be a beautiful beautiful thing for the republic paul Dans, thank you so much for joining me here today in philadelphia you are the director of the 2025 presidential transition project and we appreciate your time
2: Thank you, Rich. Take care. The Rich Zoli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
4: Uh, All right. I got a lot more to get to. Big six o'clock hour coming up, including, by the way, an analysis of Chevron and how the Supreme Court uh, dealt with it today. We'll talk to our buddy Zach Smith about that a little bit later in the show today. Uh, Tonight, I should say, around 630 or so. How did the court rule? But there's other stories, too, that I'm following, including racism in uh, chemistry uh, and breastfeeding. Obviously, there's that. Also, the federal government is going to spend $700,000 on trans-inclusive sex ed for 14-year-olds. Right. A costly program to create an inclusive teen pregnancy program for transgender boys i'll get to that as well plus we have more of the wef more audio from our friends at the world economic forum in davos where they continue to uh, stun us with all of their ideas to run the world in fact here is one of those uh, clips for you of one of the people at davos trying to once again rule the world here is the chinese prime minister discussing how we need to fully implement the un 2030 agenda for sustainable development now remember something if democrats get control of the white house they're all in on this because in addition to allowing the bureaucrats to run our country they will let the world run our country by just giving away u.s sovereignty and turning around and saying hey we'll we'll join in whatever if it's fighting disease x if it's the paris climate accord whatever it is and this is the goal of davos to surrender sovereignty of every country around the world and join in as one united world, uh, much to Woodrow Wilson's vision from the uh, 19-teens, and um, have the the decisions made by really a global council. I mean, it is something truly out of a Bond movie. And when I hear the Prime Minister of China talk about this, or the Premier of China talk about this, um, I'm I'm very concerned, as should you, Cut18.
7: My fourth suggestion is to strengthen cooperation on green development to actively tackle climate change worldwide. Humanity still faces many challenges in addressing climate change and promoting green and low-carbon transition. Talks about the need for stronger cooperation on climate governance are often accompanied by actions of erecting barriers to green trade. Some high-quality and efficient green and low-carbon technologies and products cannot flow freely. It is important that we uphold the principle of common but differentiated responsibilities, better synergize our green development strategies, remove various barriers in this field, and jointly work for a complete transition to a greener economy and society. We need to fully implement the UN 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, strengthen Global Development Cooperation, bridge development gaps and create new cooperation highlights in areas such as poverty alleviation, food security and industrialization, so as to benefit the people of all countries with more fruits of cooperation.
4: See that? Exactly what I mean. It's even scarier when you listen to it in Chinese. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Big fourth and final hour coming up straight ahead. Listen, you want to lose weight? I don't blame you, and there's lots of different ways to do it, but I want you to do it the right way, the healthy way, the guaranteed way with NJ Diet. That's right, NJDiet.com. You will lose the weight for good, guaranteed, 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days' time, guaranteed. See, NJ Diet's all natural. There's no shots, no hormones. You don't have to worry about getting a certain face. I saw uh, Jillian Michaels talking about the face of a certain drug that uh, actually by Taking those shots has the effect of changing your physical face. I saw that the other day, and I laughed thinking how many people right now are taking shots for weight loss. There's all kinds of side effects with that. But NJ Diet's all natural and guaranteed. It works with your body chemistry, and your, your body chemistry is different from everybody else's. So why not have a plan that's customized for you? And that's what you'll get. Just reach out to them today by going to NJDiet.com, NJDiet.com, or 855-5NJ-DIET. You'll lose the weight for good. You'll feel great, and it's guaranteed. You have nothing to lose but the fat, and you will burn the fat, and you will keep it off. 855-5NJ-DIET or NJDiet.com.
2: Rich Seoli, weekday afternoons, 3-7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app.